Welcome to the Crone's Porch, magic, witchcraft, and a liminal approach to magical faith. This is your grandmother's podcast. Content warning for the use of sometimes profanity, uh, general curmudgeonry, and salty attitudes, but, you know, that good salty attitude, like a salted caramel. (laughs) These opinions are our own, which we choose to share with you today as practitioners following a crone path. Woo! On this episode, we're getting back into another year of pride, quarant pride specifically, and we're going to be talking about community, what that means for us, sort of the conversations and values that we see within there and how it connects to both our magical faith identities and our queer identities and the overlap therein. So please join us on this sort of concerned and interesting adventure. Hi, Colin. Hi, Ian. (laughs) How are you? It feels like it's been ages, but I feel like I've also lived six solid lifetimes in the span of this past month. Same. Um, Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, my, My life is a little bit more in just chaotic holding pattern. You've just kind of gone off on a whole new adventure. Yes, I moved to the uh, the Constitution State. I don't know why Connecticut is the Constitution State, actually. I was trying to logic this when I was telling uh, my partner that Connecticut is the Constitution State, and I was like, well, it was signed here. It wasn't signed here. Well, maybe it had the first signature here. Nope, that was Delaware. I have no idea why Connecticut is not even where the convention was. I have no idea why Connecticut is the Constitution Did, State. Maybe maybe they just showed up late to the what's your state party and they, that was all that was left, really. Pennsylvania <laughs> took the, the something else, so. Yeah, so I live in uh, Connecticut, uh, which is uh, the, the middle child of New England, I think. Uh, Massachusetts is the older sibling, the well-known, established, the one you get compared to at school. Uh, Rhode Island is the little sibling, you know, literally <laughs> the, the small sibling uh, that everyone pays attention to because it's so awkwardly small and then everyone kind of, Connecticut's just there. Yeah. <laughs> That's been interesting, acclimating to Connecticut culture where everyone drives either too fast or too slow. I kind of miss uh, rude New Yorkers who are all going 85 and at 65. (laughs) Because I pull, like, cross the border into Connecticut, and I've been to the right along the border of New York because Danbury is very close to lower Hudson Valley, so it's easy to get to. It's a nice mall. But as soon as I passed Danbury and was, like, deep into Connecticut, I felt like I was speeding going 68 and at 65. (laughs) I was like, I am passing people. I am solidly in the left lane, passing people for most of this journey. And I'm doing 68. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I, am I speeding? And like, am I going to get pulled over? I've been out of state. Are they going to assume I'm in New Yorkers? Or like, they're going to see New York place and just be like, ah, got to pull those assholes over. Because like, <laughs> Connecticut just stares at Long Island. Like, Long Island covers, I think, almost the entire length of Connecticut. And just blocks it in and gives it a sound. It's not even mm-hmm. like <laughs> so. I think Connecticut hates New York just because of Long Island because it's just like forgive my language, but it just cock blocks them from the ocean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's phallic shape too. So it, as it's someone who's lived metaphor. on Long Island, you know, they have some valid points. <laughs> Fair, uh, yeah, but that's been my life. <laughs> Starting a new job, living out of boxes. Hating every piece of furniture that I have. <laughs> every time I move, I'm just like, why do we have this? And I just want to get rid of it and get new furniture. But that is very much a Libra thing, I think. <laughs> um, <sighs> that's besides the point. Uh, on to the topic of conversation instead of our uh, always interesting, yet not really interesting lives. <laughs> it is once again June. Which is always my favorite time of year because a never have to see a student. <laughs> sorry, students. If you work in any sort of education, sorry, teachers who work in June. Your time is coming in July, but uh, not seeing students is always a big relief that first month. <laughs> so no students, and it's uh, Pride Month. Yay! Woo! Deals, sales, 
<laughs> companies pandering to me. Uh, I'm not a fan of rainbow capitalism, but my ego does appreciate all the rainbow products. Mm. Yeah, no, also, I... It's the only time of year I feel uh, uh, obligated to be kind of... <laughs> out, I mean, I'm out there, but uh, in your face, like the meme move I'm gay is my entire personality for the month of June. And I try to live that. Um, so I'm a little bit uh, ruder <laughs> in June because it's my release valve. Yeah. I mean, June is weird because <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm a hermetic person. <laughs> so I don't know. I, it's, I definitely, there's a difference in June. I couldn't tell you what it is, but it feels different. It's true. It's the vibes. I, there's just yeah. a vibe about June. Things get slightly gayer. You're like more conservative, and I don't use that in the political sense, but you're more like conservative queer folk, tend to get a little bit louder, a little bit more. Rainbows just up here. It's like everything is rainbow themed. Uh, <laughs> again, it's where you can just like get your yearly supply of just gay vibes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we've talked about this before. So if you're interested in like, we did a historical take, I believe, the first time about Pride uh, yeah, more and less. being quarantined. So if uh, you're interested in the history and that kind of stuff, uh, check that episode. And Spotify makes it convenient that you can pause right about now and go back and listen. So we'll wait. And, did you enjoy uh, it? I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but thinking about this time, especially since... Um, I mean, I am a pessimist, so I didn't think we would be out of quarantine by the end of summer. I kind of knew that. No, I was I in this for the long haul. <laughs> but since kind of the world thought we'd be out of quarantine by the end of that summer, and now we've been in it for a year, and it's still even kind of continuing, things are kind of opening up. I'm waiting for the shoe to drop because that's my personality. But we can do some things now. Uh, with, uh, I've been thinking a lot about community this go around. I think partially because I'm a little bit community starved. I think partially because living in the southern tier of fucking New York made me community starved. Then then the other thing has been in being not able to go to things. Whether or not I would have gone is a different question, but not, not having the option to go to things has made me reflective. I won't say it appreciative yet because I have feelings, but uh, very much reflective about community and missing it and all of its mess and glory and stuff. So uh, we are going to talk about community. Woo! Broad topics. That's what we're good at. Absolutely. <laughs> so we live at a an interesting intersection. I think religion and identity is always interesting because it definitely flavors your soup very differently. Uh, so being magically inclined queer folks, what's what what does community mean to you, Colin? Big question, big answers. I mean, going deep. I, like I mean, I assume within the topic, um, <laughs> I would say that for me, it means kind of the negotiation of who are the people I want to be with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think before, when I was younger, I've always felt like community should be this big, enormous thing that, you know, like you need to be a, you need to be a part of, and there are all these stipulations and there needs to be all these people. And I'm coming, as I get older, I'm coming to realize community is just those folks on whom you rely for mutual support and who rely on you and you enjoy being together and you mm -hmm. share a lot. So like, honestly, I'm not bereft of community. I just have been slowly moving my focus towards, oh, I need to value the community that I have. And mm -hmm. if people move in and out of that community, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But there's, it's, I guess, actually, let me put it this way. So like having moved here, to Rochester, I have gained friendships through my job, but I don't actually really spend that much time with them, and I don't really share all that much with them. It's made me realize who's part of, who are my, like, 
friends and who are like my community. And mm -hmm. my community are the people who I spend most of my time with, even though we're all far apart. So like you and Aaron and Travis, our D&D &D folks, mm -hmm. you know, those are, those are my community because I know I can rely on y'all and y'all can rely on me. And we all spend time, work together, share, have mutual interests and share with each other, grow and learn. Mm -hmm. and, that, and also we have levels of conflict, but they always get worked out. So yes. to me, community is about those sort of deep and intense relationships, and then they can move outward. I honestly don't like the idea of like community being used in the broadest sense that it's mm -hmm. usually used in. I think I like the idea of alliances of communities is probably more accurate as mm -hmm. to what it is, I, or alliances of mutual interest, because I'm cynical and I believe that no one acts outside of their own their own. Uh, enlightened self-interest um so i think interest conversion is the basis is like why we call it like in some ways queer is good queer is aspirational and queer is also personal but also lgbtqia plus is also very accurate because it's a bunch of people acting on mutual interest and mutual experience that have all kind of come together in a sort of cultural alliance um so that is sort of that is sort of my slightly cynical curmudgeonly take. <laughs> it's appreciated. Everyone needs every friend group needs a cynic. Our friend group just has to be all cynics. There's, I was just gonna say there's some competition for that particular <laughs> title. We have like we're mainly a group of cynics with a couple positive uh, uh, sunshine folks. Yeah, a bunch of positive polys, a couple of them, and they're making, <laughs> they get some weird looks. <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that, and I think I follow a similar evolution. I think w w it was an amazing experience, but having a college queer community uh, definitely set me up for a different expectation post-college than yeah, uh, what same. I got. Because I got a lot of those feels of it needs to be big, it needs to be uh, all-encompassing, and it needs to include all walks of life. And I, I think those can exist, but I would definitely use more terms like interest convergence communities and aligned folks. Um, because <laughs> one thing I failed to realize, which is not my fault, um, the whole sticking together because we're all college students at the same college is a lot tighter glue than the actual identities we hold. But kind of coming off of that, like one of the things I, I've always wanted out of communities, one thing I miss is the, uh, what I call the, I don't really have a word for it. All I can describe it as like the, the let your guard down folks. Like folks you can, it won't be all of them. I don't think there are people you can let your guard down with, at least people that I have that I can definitely 100% let my guard down with. But um, community is like some of those variants of let your guard down. It's a place where you can be more authentic than you can be in other spaces. I don't think anybody is ever 100% authentic in any space. And that's just because of the identity dynamics and spaces you hide and identity salience. Look it up. It's a great term. <laughs> it's a great term to learn from. No, and, it's really true. So... I mean, for me, I look for things, things are, I look for people that I want to do things with and I want to do things with often. And I want to do things with almost uh, subconsciously. Like it's just a drive to do things with these people. And for me, the community is, it takes that out of just friend group and kind of takes it into a lot, again, more activity based. Like we, uh, I'm hoping to find one in Connecticut because the Southern Tier game was dry. I for this, but uh, having folks to play Magic the Gathering with, where you just hang out with them because you all play Magic the Gathering with, or you all do online video games with, where like you might not hang out with these people if Magic the Gathering or video games weren't there. But it's when you're in that space, you all know what you're there for. You all know what kind of what the politics of the space are. There's some negotiating on. Uh, actively in that space but it becomes like a subconscious dance of you just are there to do that thing with and i want that in a queer community like i think my the reason i love pride so much even if, even all its problematic pieces and all of its yearly head bashing conversations and stupid things that come up with it 
Well, one thing I love about pride is it just brings a bunch of people to do the simple fact, the simple act of being whatever flavor of queer you are together there. Like we have lots of negotiations actively, but they become kind of subconscious. Like we're just all there to be together. We all do the parade together. However you do the parade, we're all just there to do this thing. Nobody really knows why, if you really like wanted to tease it out, it would be probably a full dissertation and research project. It just kind of happens. And I miss that. And even in the magic sense, again, college was mm, in, in ways amazing and in ways set me up for failure uh, in that it, for magically inclined faiths, it was just a way to hang out and find people who would do this activity with you, who would <laughs> sit up and go out at like two in the morning into the deep woods, because not many people will do, do that with you for uh, for specific reasons. The magic folks will do that. They'll go into a graveyard at three in the morning. Why? Because you said you wanted to, and you had a, a weird inkling. Like, no one takes advice like that, but magic folks, and I, I haven't been able to find that essence of guard comes down a little bit and we're just like subconsciously here to do the thing together we all just do it and maybe we'll go our separate ways at the end of it maybe we won't we'll be friends outside of it but i miss that i want that and quarantine has kind of, that's been what's been missing the most is just the i just show up to do this thing with you all maybe i don't talk mm. to you outside of this but i just want to show up to do the thing with you all and i think it's different where everybody's personal line of demarcation is because mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I definitely agree with you. I think there is some level of, I do miss sort of doing, you know, even if, like you said, even if they're outside the friends, just participating in some form of mutual interest that like mm -hmm. speaks to you and COVID has really killed that. Um, and also if it depends on how niche your interests are. Too. <laughs> True. Um, but also I think it's whether like, what's your tolerance for like the online version of that? And mm -hmm. for me, it always has been just, I don't have a tolerance for social media. And I just, and that's not like, that's not like a, like, I think social media is horrible, awful, always bad. It's just more that I don't, I can't do social media. It's bad for me. So I don't. I can't either. Uh, I, I think it's, I would uh, guess that it's probably bad for two different reasons. For me, I can't do online stuff unless it's small groups because I get, incredibly one anxious two my brain can't keep up with the voices when they're all kind of static even zoom i i had struggle with and at least that gives you some different panels and you can see the different faces of people talking but people like talking at me when it's coming out of a singular device i just my brain goes haywire and i can't keep track of it so if it's a small group like when it's you me and aaron doing online gaming i can handle that because even if there is some talk over it gets cleaned up pretty quickly because it's only ever two people talking trying to talk at the same time but i couldn't do like magic the gathering online or try to do this online room thing because i, I my brain would just not be able to comp to compute what is happening all the different dialogues like when it's spread out over a room I can handle all the voices at once because I can, my brain can hear that they're coming from multiple places. I can choose to hone in on one and let the other ones be background noise because I'm in a public space and actually in, I don't want to say real life because online life can be real life to some folks, but in like a public life, I can drown out some voices, but if they're all coming out of my headphones, I can't mute them all <laughs> because they are forcibly the same volume in my headphones. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, overloads my brain. <laughs> like, even our D&D group is, our bigger one is seven folks all together? Yeah, yeah all together. I can do that because I like y'all, but sometimes it's a lot of voices. <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta, I have things always around me, some fidget things that allow me to, like, do the release valve of what's going on in my brain. But even that is, like, that's, like, approaching my max is, like, seven people in a Zoom. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so online life doesn't work for me, and it's why I miss the being able to show up at a local card shop for a pre-release and just play Magic with folks or show up for a Commander League and just play Magic with folks. Yeah. So I guess we can move from there to, like, you know, 
the <laughs> the sort of the intersection of specifically queer community and magical faith and sort of how we navigate. Yeah, I think, so for me, uh, the one problem I always have, and I think it speaks to what I was talking about with like, I love Pride Month because people just show up to do queer. Um, and for me, I, I sometimes in both, both for, oddly enough, both in my magical faith identity and in my queer identity, my brain sometimes crosses the wire of queer and magic as verbs and queer and magic as identities. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm showing up with the verbiage in mind, um, sometimes I expect people to play a certain game or not not play a certain game, but to have a certain vibe and to want to do a certain thing, not necessarily specifically like do a, <laughs> a Loki ritual, like don't show up with that niche of an idea of what's going to happen. But then I forget that all of those things are also identities, which brings their own amount of politics. And that's where it always gets fucking suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> because they'll just start doing things and I'm like what this is not in my like idea of verbiage of what queer or uh magical faith is uh, and some like really good examples are like the no kink at pride folks and <laughs> and a lot of Norse folks not necessarily uh, white supremacist Norse folks kind of your average Norse folks really like I'll show up with a specific idea of what we're gonna do um and they'll just like bash that away and I'll be like so distraught so the but that wire crossing always is hard because queer and magical faith for me always has kind of always functioned as both a verb and an identity and so those living together is complicated and I always forget and it just makes it sometimes rough to play that politic of are you queer the identity or are we doing queer the verb or are we here to like do queer activities or debate identities because I don't always want to do either of those or together that was a ramble that didn't even make sense no I mean that <laughs> makes a lot of sense I can understand in kind of both of those contexts for me like um well in terms of magical faith I definitely have a similar experience I'm this is perhaps partly my own fault, but I'm mm -hmm. consistently disappointed with magical spaces that I'm not organizing. Um, is there a, we need a magical faith version of preach. I know, I guess it would be preach. I don't know. Con, is we'll there work a, on it. We'll workshop that. We'll workshop um, that, but like preach, yes. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is, uh, and most of that I think is just, I have a very different guiding philosophy and just opinion of what magical faith means. Mm -hmm. um, part of that is that I am a very rooted person. And so sometimes people like there are different forms of, of like flying in the wind like leaves. There's like your Libra-esque what you ah. sort of do and what <laughs> lots of queer magic folk like to do is just kind of be like, ooh, I'm going to just do magic and witchcraft. Whee! And I'm like, but it exists outside of cultural context. You're confusing me. Um, but I can, I can do that because I see the value in it and I see how important it is. And like, there are times when I'll do it myself and like, I'm getting used to it and I like it. Then there are the ones who are just like, oh, we're Celtic. And I'm like, you, you're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> True. Like, this that is, is the... that is not like, that does not compute. Yeah. And, and there's also just the, yeah, the, just your general issue pagan which like in theory sounds so awesome but when i actually show up in those spaces i'm like no what what why no what? <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> 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 which is for me like the wires crossing of if i'm showing up expecting to do the verbiage of queerness or the verbiage of magical faith and i'm confronted with all the identity politics of those and i wasn't expecting of it it is so jarring <laughs> Yeah. You know, people who show up in a magical space like we're there to do ritual together we're there to do like an uh, autumn equinox like pagan pride day like we're yeah. there to do that and like people will show up with the like i'm celtic vibe of like that's their function and i'm like but that's an that, we're here to do ritual together you're doing a function that is not how this computes together so stop doing the opposite of what i'm here to do <laughs> Stop bringing yeah. it 
Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, it's so, it is very jarring. Yeah, and I have to admit for, for queer space for me is that's really a fraught relationship because <laughs> I, I exist on the periphery of pretty much all queer spaces. Mm -hmm. And so there's no queer space that ever caters to me mm -hmm. personally. And I never really see myself in any of them. Um, which is kind of double, which also is doubled down on by the fact that, um, I mean, there are a number of other biases going on and the fact that a lot of queer space is like sexualized space, which isn't bad. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that when you are not really the desirable of any type of category, that like it can be a very toxic experience. Mm -hmm. So for me, like, I think that's part of why my religious identity for me is far more central than my queer identity because my religious identity sort of, I can see myself in the world to a certain degree, or at least it mm -hmm. orients me to the world in a greater degree. It's also, I think, a lot easier for me to navigate between other people. Um, and it also provides me a lot more strength because on the one hand, my queer identity is of course central to who I am in many ways and is very important to me, but it ultimately stems from other people and mm -hmm. the way I've been treated by both people who ostensibly should be my allies and ostensibly by people who are who are sort of gatekeeping society in, in general. Of course, I'm used to them being shitty about things. Like, mm -hmm. they don't surprise me. The people who ostensibly should be my allies but consistently shut me out or treat me as second class is constantly should not be but is constantly surprising and hurtful yeah and it's always for for me it's always frustrating because i i also being a person who sits at a lot of fringes of various social identities it's always annoying when the the gatekeeping comes from people who ostensibly should like hype you in all in all senses it should be just as hype for you being there as uh the more palatable versions of these identities being there like uh it's always annoying it hasn't happened so much like i am a little bit more queer forward than uh magic forward uh but even then i i get some vibes of not welcome being more vanier forward than being acer forward which is odd because it's like it's a part of the it's a part of the stories i'm just over on this side of the story you're on that side of the story we're in the same story why are you mad that i'm here or like uh <laughs> this happens in the reddit uh i don't participate in reddit but i read it um, where, like, someone will ask about uh, how to worship, like, the rituals around Fenrir or stories around Fenrir, and you'll have a whole bunch of people who will hop on that and be like, we don't do that in this group. They are, that is the evil side. They want to bring about Ragnarok. How dare you? And I'm just like, someone's just asking for story tips. You just have to give them resources. You don't have to agree, but, like, but that's side the point. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's always worse when it's, like, people who are really should just be happier there. Like, and I think it's why I appreciate, even though it's our party of two right now, and all our listeners, I'll include our listeners on this, because they don't talk to us, so they have no say in it right now. <laughs> but, I like, I like our path, because it ostensibly, it has no center the center is a lot more personal of what you want to make it to be if you want your center to be x cool that's your crone center if you want your crone center to be eastern european or any faith center if you want it to be incredibly barbaric and hardcore in nature or like high magic in a palace <laughs> <laughs> like high ritual magic. Like it's whatever. That's why I love our path. There's no gate to keep you. We just got rid of it. We said fuck no, the gate. <laughs> there isn't. Um, and I like the, the it's a constant discussion. I mean, we have you and I, because it is our party of two, have created our lines of demarcation. Like mm -hmm. 
like there are things philosophically we disagree with and don't want anywhere near us personally. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's kind of how actual community works is it tends to be actual communities, like at least in the definition I gave too, was like the idea of like an actual community is one that is relatively small and relatively, mm-hmm. the discourse is guided by that small part of the group, not by a large, and influenced perhaps by a larger conversation, but mostly guided by the small group conversation. Yep. And so like what we've set up is, is our little corner of the crone faith is our little corner of the crone faith. Mm-hmm. And we can share it with our other little grander philosophical brethren mm-hmm. um, when they decide to show up. But like, <laughs> like, um, for me, I guess for both the queer and the magical faith, it's the sort of leaning into the like, okay, this shit is happening. Um, <laughs> and sort of instead of, and moving away from this idea of like, grand expectations more yeah. moving moving towards you know real not not letdowns let me actually put it this way realistic visions understanding that those those grand expectations were mm-hmm. created for you not by you yes and that and that um you need to define your expectations so for me that means i don't want a million and one people as my community i need th- these people as my community mm-hmm. i don't need to live up to anyone else's definition of queer. Mine is perfectly reasonable. Yeah. If my version of gender queer is pretty masculine presenting and very culturally oriented, then that's what it is. I don't, I don't do a lot of the things you would think of just because that's not who I am, and I don't want to deny them to anyone else. So these sort of things that have like the crone, the crone go looks at um, societal expectation and goes, no. <laughs> nah. No, thanks. I'm good. And that goes for the that goes for the subversive and the traditional. Because mm-hmm. it they're they're oh it's a weird circle. Because on the one hand, I re- by being queer, I reject the traditional, but by being my own version of queer, I'm rejecting the overtly subversive. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of pushes in opposite directions that sort of hit me where I'm at. I don't know if that makes sense per se, well, the way I'm saying it, but like that's kind of <laughs> How I see it. Yes, and I'm a person who pushes subversive in both directions because uh, I love subversive. If that, if y'all haven't gotten that by now in this many episodes, that I just love subversive culture of any type. I love subversive culture. Actually, that's a, that's a that's a good point. Instead of instead of because some, wait, it's actually your yours is more accurate. Subversive in both directions because subversive is not one thing. It mm-hmm. goes every direction. So yep. it's just find your own version. <laughs> yeah, New find brand. your own version. And for me, like one of the hallmarks of community, and again, I think I was uh, blessed and set up for failure by uh, college, was one of the things I always want in community is I want, like, uh, it's weird. I want, like, uh, ec- that uh, that vibe of, like, unquestioned external support. Like, if if someone comes in and messes with us, like, it doesn't care what kind of beef we had. Everyone drops it and like all turns towards this external entity. And it's just like, you bet you, you better fuck off because <laughs> we're all ready. Um, but with the, the same vibe of uh, like internally, we will, we will fight. <laughs> but I want that like that external because it was something when I started to do work in especially in college spaces, it's something that clashed. And I don't know yet because I, one, I think generational science and generational <laughs> theory is a bunch of bullshit, but it's, uh, we made it real because that's what we do with society. We make bullshit ideas real. Um, I can't tell if it's a generational difference yet, but this uh, generation coming up, I will say particularly queers, and this is just in my experience, so 100% in I stay myth. Um, I noticed that the the idea of queer community the idea of like we might all disagree about everything internally and we'll fight about it internally but like once external factors start poking in and prodding we will all drop all of our internal conflict at least for that moment and like fight externally doesn't seem to be the vibe that the that this next generation is going for 
like they want it to be a little more I don't want to say calm a little more friendship driven than uh like showing up to pride and seeing the people that are like your community but not necessarily your friends like they want it to be their friends and not necessarily the community I don't know if that's making sense but like I I I'm I'm hoping that that is not leaving entirely it's just on an on a cycle and it will come back because I I I think that is incredibly valuable to have in a community to have these people who will ostensibly just have your back regardless of if they 100% agree with you. And sometimes that's on along identity lines and sometimes it's not. Um, sometimes it's along like Magic the Gathering players will sometimes have each other's back when, you know, people make fun of us for liking Magic the Gathering. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, that level of protection, that level of, and sometimes that comes out of survival. I think a lot of actually, probably upon reflection comes a lot out of survival of like we're just here for each other we don't care if we disagree with each other because we know that's what it means to that's sometimes the last line of defense to survive like you hang you go to bat for that person because you know what it's like to be isolated that hard and i don't want to lose that but that also might just be the coming out of uh being now that this community is a little bit more mainstream and queer identity is a little bit more mainstream and easily accessible um, that might just be a thing that's leaving and I might just have to deal with that. I don't know yet. It's only time will tell. That was a little bit of a ramble. I think you'll find a little bit of both. In my experience, I think, like you said, a lot of it has to do with survival. And I'll be honest, like within the community, trauma bonding. Mm -hmm. But that's also where a lot of problems come from because trauma bonds are unstable and incredibly toxic. Um, and I think that on the one hand, there's a great healing aspect in the more mainstream it becomes. Yes, there are problems of it becoming mainstream. On the other hand, <laughs> the more opportunities for perhaps more healing space yeah. is possible. And what I'm a little bit, um, I'm, I'm a little bit, and I don't want this to just center around my personal grievances, but what I'm a little bit concerned about, and this is another I statement, is from my experiences, I found and this is intergenerationally, but mostly my experience has been around with younger people. Um, actually, that's not true. But anyways, they're either people who want it to be all militant and like, mm -hmm. just like, just take battle to the enemy. And then there are people who want it to be all like parties and friendship. And as someone who sits in the camp of like, I'm about like healing, I'm kind of like, so they're going off to war and they're fucking off to fuck off. Have <laughs> No one's safe at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. They're all going to they're all going to go to do self-martyr them. So they're all gonna die and burn out. And they're just I, I don't know. I have <laughs> ah, <what>? and, <laughs> and in all that, I'm really concerned about the death of the center. Like I don't think uh, well, one, I think the nonprofit industrial complex has ruined LGBTQ resource centers, both on college yes. campus and in local community. But I, I think they're going, uh, and I, I think in that destruction, that middle ground is lost. Like, I think that is true. Like, people want it one way or the other. They either want to just be friends or they want it to be like, we will go to bat and we haven't. And I, I really because this uh a lot has been about seeing the discourse about kink at pride which can be a whole nother conversation but in that discourse i couldn't help but just see two sides yelling at each other that entirely lost its bridge like it is community elders and age generation and pre-age generation folks being like like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and young folks being like what the fuck are you doing and that entire middle generation who would have been children of and parents too or you know mentees and mentors we lost so, i was gonna say aids genocide knocked out the yeah so we're seeing two ideas of community that have entirely developed on their own bashing into each other with no mediation to it or bridge or transition or third party to break the tie vote or whatever however you want to picture the dynamic and i'm just like yeah that's fucked that's fucked so sad like it is sad it is sad <laughs> yeah and i think that's another thing about community is Honestly, I think community is really going to be 
personally and culturally defined. And just like anything else, there's going to be dominant narratives of what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And not everyone's going to fit into that narrative. And people are going to have to move in the direction of wherever their best fit is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and right now, because of how weird to me, at least, the conversations that go on in this country are, and how splintered, fractured, which is not always bad, because like I said, small mm -hmm. communities will have their own dialogues, but how the conversations happen leaves me with a sense of, um, a, a sense of concern just because I don't know where the balance is. Like, because we, like, we can't all just lean into a, 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 a happy communist pipe dream and we all can't lead in, lean into becoming mainstream. And this goes for both ma magic and queerness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the way forward is, is not, no one way forward is going to take everyone with it. Because yeah. each one way forward is one way forward for one segment, and often that the the first solution is one that's going to benefit those who already benefit the most mm -hmm. in any situation. Yeah. And so, where where does one strike the balance? And that's where I guess it comes back to the individual: is mm -hmm. you have to make your own best decisions and reflect on: is this really me, or is this what someone else expects of me? And yes, there will be some salience and some uncertainty. Like you said, identity salience is a natural human ex is a natural human experience. But I think part of my magical practice and my queer practice now and growing is converging into what is my sovereignty? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what pride for me is, is reestablishing what what am I sovereign of? And the answer, at least in the United States, for a lot of people is, who do I have power over? But I think pride reframes the question of, do I have power over me? Mm -hmm. And if I don't, why not? And so yeah. it's both reclaiming power, but also reflecting on, you know, where are there still imbalances of power? Where is my power being robbed from me? Or what, who am I robbing power from? And that's not even, you know, it's not a one-month question. It's not even a one-lifetime question. Nope. <laughs> and Definitely it's a question not. everyone has to ask, because unless you are the one person or two, two or three people on this planet who's at the bottom of every food chain, um, there's always going to be multiple answers. <laughs> Very much so. I don't think I can say it any better than that. I wish I stitched that on a pillow and just... <laughs> <laughs> sovereignty bitches taste the rainbow yeah yeah so in, in thinking i guess like this is a my uh, my educator brain like switched on i was like i need to give people <laughs> tips but i'm not going to give super many tips uh i think i'm have the same concerns as you i think the i don't know where the balance is and that horrifies me especially as an air sign <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an air earth sign podcast we appreciate stability and balance <laughs> yeah we do but we have very different approaches because for it's me true. the because part of this i think experience and i'm sorry to interrupt your tips mm -hmm. um is just is is also reflecting on where do you fall back to and is that a is that a healthy thing always or is that a not healthy thing because for me as an earth sign I fall back onto everything traditional and come fucking conventional. Um, and while in some ways being clannish and traditional makes me rooted in ways that I can pick up the slack for others who need slack mm -hmm. be, to be picked up on, it also means that I'm not so open to change as perhaps is always best. And then Ariston, I live in chaos. Uh, I appreciate chaos. I like the rapid change, but then I never settle for anything, which is not great. <laughs> a lot of lot of stress. Um, but in thinking, like, where does this balance stability come from? I think I would love to see, and I'm trying hard harder to do it. 
his like picking up dialogue skills i don't think like and not in the sense of we need to talk about our problems but just learning to talk to people and this is like very much inner community like if we're talking uh, lgbtq or magical faith folks like being able to learn to talk inner community with people who you are like overlap but not necessarily in the same community as uh you know like he heathens who practice vanir talking to aesir folks uh or uh jotun folks and being able to have some dialogues together and talk about ways in which we want to have pathways of conversation so when things affect heathens at large we can have those conversations i think is important i i don't think people have enough conversations <laughs> anymore um uh, or like I shouldn't say that, but uh, people don't have enough well-intentioned conversations anymore with like goals and uh, pur purpose, <laughs> like um, being able to talk about those problems and have like because the discourse about kink and pride, I keep bringing this up, but the discourse of kink and pride is a great conversation to have yearly. It's a good checking conversation to have about where that boundary is and whether we want to shift it a little bit more here or there but people aren't coming in to have a conversation they're coming in to say their piece and fight about it at each other and that's not it doesn't it doesn't at least for me it doesn't help it doesn't give any sort of action it doesn't develop into anything it just ends with people mad at each other and then we come back next year to do the same thing so i, I want people to have more and I want to do that. So as a professional in higher ed institution who manages uh, resources for LGBTQ students, I want to have more conversations with students. Like I want the events to be conversation-based. I want students to be able to talk about what they're feeling, what they're thinking about, what their ideas are, and then me as the professional being able to, one, get that shit done, and then two, being able to provide some historical context to it. Be Start that, because uh, I think millennials are uh, heading into, we can now assume a little bit more of that bridge purpose in the lineage of a community so i can feed history down and feed oh that happened this time and this was the outcome that happened that time and this is the outcome i can give them all those historical influences i can give them my life advice and then they can take that and form the next generation of the community um so i'm i'm committing to doing more of that and actually engaging in that type of dialogue and really pushing to have that type of dialogue because i want that type of change for community i want a longevity and a lineage of community and start to rebuild that timeline that was wrecked it's, and that's more in a queer sense but even in a in a magical faith sense it was wrecked because white supremacists wreck everything <laughs> so some of our lineages are gone even in the short term of like just this last like century because of nazis <laughs> Yeah. And I think my, for my part in that is having what I think that I'd like to see is having more conversations about how we organize sort of our lives. Because mm -hmm. for me, I, I, there's still a part of me that really wants to find to live with people who are like me. And ultimately that means I want a magical folk, magical faith sort of <laughs> lived, ex lived, lived community. Queer magical farm. <laughs> exactly. That sort of thing. But also there's finding what's your, what's your best in, in the now. Cause mm -hmm. to aspire to something is great, but also yeah. like, where is where what is my re, wh that is my that is my mission like that is my vision statement what's my mission <laughs> statement Steps for so that. so like Dula would be my, proud of you for Using me the terms. speaking is vision is either and there and you can have more than one even because one vision is will i disappear into the wilds of ireland or scotland possibly will i instead <laughs> end up with a like a a queer magical commune in this country and you'll just someday like 50 years from now you'll just one of you will go off on a quest to try to find us and find us in a like a weird multi-pronged family hovel situation <laughs> yeah and ian and i will just be like in wheelchair or not wheelchairs on um, rocking chairs just in the woods <laughs> like maybe who knows 
knows? But for right now, my mission, I think, is is that sovereignty piece. In this moment in time, <laughs> what conversation of sovereignty am I having? And how does my sovereignty reinforce my individual well-being? And how does my sovereignty reinforce my community's well-being? And in, in my case, establishing sovereignty is also make is taking primarily taking care of my mental health and needs, uh -huh. which makes me a little bit less needy on my immediate community, who happens to be my close friend group, who is very nice and being very supportive, and I appreciate it deeply and much. Uh -huh. But I also haven't been healing myself. So that is my, that is my mission currently. Mm -hmm. I love that because <laughs> this is more, a little bit more soapbox. So uh, I, I think people are making themselves incredibly unhappy with how much they care, uh, care is not the right word, but how much uh, energy they're putting into that ideal of community that they're missing the messy and slightly joyous moments right in front of them because it's not as perfect as it could be. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I vibe with that. I love that. I love a messy, multifaceted, so out there community of traditionalists all the way down to the perverse. Like we can all exist together. It will be messy and hard and it'll take a lot of negotiation, but we can do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that I think comes back to what we've been talking about with the crone and being marginal is one nice thing about being marginal to a lot of communities is that it, in some ways, I think it keeps you honest. It makes you able to look at it and go, mm -hmm. huh, that's weird. And then you can go into the village and advise or heal or do whatever needs to be done. And then you wander back to your hovel for a while yep. and de-stress from it. And then you wander back out and do this thing over and over again, rather than having to be, I like to think of it as crones aren't leaders, crones are advisors. And, and then barely at that, we show up sometimes when we're least wanted to like throw a throw a dart and oh yeah, and no, plan. it's always being a crone is always about that short burst of being there when you're needed and, and when you're least needed and and when you're least wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you thought that was going to happen? Uh -uh. <laughs> no, but I I kind of like leaning into that because it does break down some of these these dualities, like my one, one of my pieces of reflection, and I think this is important for Pride Month too, is breaking down the duality of right and wrong. Because mm -hmm. on the one hand, it is important to recognize justice and injustice. And we're living in a world where that's important, but also having the conversation with yourself about like, what, let me, what am I moral, let me be morally honest. Like for me, that's having tough conversations about like, what is it that I can and cannot do? What is it that I am and not am not able to do? And then, you know, what is right and wrong even mean? Because it's very confusing. So, like, part of being a crone is also saying, fuck it. I mean, you know. If it, if it was wrong, we'll figure it out way. tomorrow. <laughs> not, not, I think that another thing that, that marks out a true, true croning rather than, you know, the demonized old woman of Abrahamic... Mm -hmm belief but a true crone is almost is almost certainly never cruel any apparent appearance of cruelty is always a lesson it's never actually to be cruel mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just an unfortunate uh byproduct of the situation that the cruelty comes out but it's never uh a, a beginning intention the intention I think... isn't always love but it's always yeah kind because i think hurt I, yeah, I think that sometimes hurtful is inevitable, but a crone's, in your of, life. <laughs> a crone's version of right and wrong is sort of don't be cruel <laughs> and be, and be sovereign. Like right is be sovereign or, and don't be cruel. Wrong is being cruel and being, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Even either, either in sovereign, either that means you let others rule you without any boundaries, or, or you, or you take authority over others without yeah. consent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a great conversation, I think, in terms of queerness and Pride Month, because, like you were talking about with the Kingster stuff, is in sovereignty and taking power over others and gatekeeping, or 
being not able to advocate for, you know, for your own self. And then the cruelty comes in the, are we gatekeeping? Who are we keeping out? Who are we letting in? Like why in the world at Pride, and I'm not saying that straight cis people are not welcome. There certainly are. There are many people who are family to us mm -hmm. as much as like, like Aaron in my mind is an honorary, honorary homosexual. Like, like there are some people I would, I, in a hundred percent, but like, <laughs> but like, why is, why are straight cis people being given more deference in our space? What is our space than people who are, live a queer experience? Yeah, I agree with that, especially the, <laughs> it's part of the queer uh, introduction packet. You get your guest passes. They renew every year. You get to hand out your guest passes to those who you just uh, bring to <laughs> It's it's in the brochure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not and I'm not <laughs> saying that there are space like 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 specialized spaces where some things should be brought to the center, and that means some things need to take the periphery. Like for example, like in terms of intersectional experiences, like there are spaces where this and this take the center. And mm -hmm. so one or the other is not what we're talking about at the time, which is fair and healing. Mm -hmm. But like overall in like a pride space, like that means that th we have to do, we have to do some shifting about like, it's gotta be an equal playing field. Like we can't play oppression Olympics, which is one side of it. And we also can't allow normal quote unquote hierarchies back in back in either uh, normal the bane of my existence <laughs> and i think I mean, that that's that's this, magical too oh uh, yeah yeah this is a great conversation though i think uh people don't talk about communities enough like i think having these conversations with people that you're close to talking about what you want what you're looking for um because <laughs> it's one of those I don't believe it. Okay, I kind of believe in the secret because I have manifested things just by simply saying it. Brush my shoulders off there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you sometimes you can't get what you want until you talk about it with other people. If you never tell people what you're looking for out of a community, they'll never give it to you because you never said it. So talk about the stuff with your with your those close to you, and uh, it'll manifest. If you never if we never talked about having this podcast, doing a crone path and a lot of other stuff to our TNG group too like they wouldn't have happened so uh if you want it build it absolutely um and i think and i think really all you need like it's hard when community is a buzzword more so than a reality more often than not like yeah. i write the word community way more than I have any need to write the word community, but that's only because I apply for jobs and they want to see the word, but they don't want to explore the word. Um, and so I think we might have to move into, you know, maybe community, like we had our conversation about, is the word pagan appropriate? I think I've refined my understanding to where in, in this space, pagan is not what we're going for. Outside of this space, Sometimes it's a necessity. <laughs> um, the only way they'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> but I think that maybe we're, we need to start looking for a new word other than community. Maybe there's mm -hmm. a better word, a word either we can make up or a word that already exists. And that, I mean, that depends on your language. That depends on your language that you use at home or with yeah. other people. Like it, it all depends on you, but I'm wondering if there's some, there's some value and in, in currency in you know, finding maybe a better word. Because I think right now, that's part of my healing experience with learning a new language, is I think English has become so inoperable a language for <laughs> me, and just on a societal level, just because of its involvement in all these different systems and oppressions, and just also being stretched to the limits of a language, like, I think there's maybe something in having different language. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Quarren Prad 2, Electric Boot. We asked this question last episode. Now that I'm thinking about it, I do want to end on this question, but we'll keep, keep it brief. 
because we are at, I think we've been talking for like an hour. So keep brief. Uh, so year two in kind of quarantine, just like partial quarantine. Pandemic's still happening. Year two in pandemic, you learned anything important about yourself? Ooh, hard question. I um, Keeping it brief though. So I like, think briefly, the most important thing- Pillow is, answers, stitch it on a pillow. Yeah, absolutely. I the the first most important thing is that um nothing important that you ever do will be on a short timeline mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the second one is that not everyone can fill the same role and it's foolish to try to mold yourself into those roles so take care of i mean i guess ultimately the big answer is take care of yourself as best you can <laughs> and <laughs> Everyone and, and everyone else will catch up. How about you, Ian? Are the what are the two big pillow things? Oh, honestly, similar to yours, I have <laughs> let go control more often. So let go, let go control more often than you think you need to. <laughs> like just let it go. Um, and two, don't sweat the small stuff. Kind of similar to the nothing big, nothing important that you do will ever happen on a short timeline. But just like let things happen naturally. I think people make themselves too angry focusing on like, is it right? Is it exact? It'll never be. Enjoy the people you're with. If you see if you see a uh, if you see a butt at pride, let it go if it's not bothering you. And if you see a, a <laughs> if you see a heathen at a magic festival as long as it's not a white supremacist, let it go, it's not bothering you, but just like, let it go, and just enjoy the moment. <laughs> Apparently those can disappear because who knew who knew a pandemic was coming? So uh, enjoy the moments as they happen. Don't analyze them in the moment. Anal analyzing is post, is for later. Not in the moment. Yeah. That's also to me. Like, I, I have learned this lesson, but I will inevitably need it stamped in my forehead again probably a year from now. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> I mean, I think what we've established through the course of this podcast so far is that everything we say is subject to change at a moment's notice yeah. because this is a life journey. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Pride 2021. Good. An Yay. awkward year for an awkward pride. An awkward year for an awkward pride is apropos. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm excited to find out what we talk about and next year, because who, who knows what next year will bring. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can, uh, if you want to enter this conversation with us, give us your thoughts. Talk about what pride means to you, what community means to you. You can do that with us and we encourage it. And you can do that on a multitude of platforms. You can do it on Facebook, Crone Porch, the, the single crone, the single ready to mingle crone. You can do it on Instagram and Twitter, Crone's Porch. There are DMs. You can tweet at us. We can retweet. If you tweet at us, maybe use the hashtag Crone's Porch or add us Crone's Porch. We can retweet stuff. Or you can just email us if you want it kind of like uh, straight, straight to us, you know, direct no frills of social media or if you're not on social media coronesporch at gmail.com is that place for that yeah <laughs> um join us join the conversation you know pull up a rocking chair yeah yeah oh i would like a rocking chair for this apartment that's a, a note mental note to me also if i listen to this episode in the future note to you in the future ian get a rocking chair <laughs> but, but uh what we got coming up? We have midsummer. I was gonna say midsummer, but uh, I don't think anyone wants to live through that. <laughs> um, while the idea of perhaps some consensual human sacrifice is intriguing, I don't think we want to do that. Yeah, um, midsummer. Midsummer. Um, well, I have some um, Mononon McLear facts and celebrations. Yeah. Um, we can talk a little bit more about Alitha now that we know more about what Alitha is. Yes, and I always forget because you know I'm I'm a and I'm not a bad Slav, but uh, <laughs> I always forget that Kupala is, is in midsummer. It's in midsummer. Yeah. So we can so talk about Kupala's night. We got some things. We got some things to talk about, and I will probably sing on the podcast. 
Ooh, so yeah, check that out. Uh, you can use it for the TikTok. <laughs> I would love if people made TikToks of our content. That'd be great. That's how you, you know you're a little made bit it. more meme worthy. I know. I feel like we're meme worthy, but we're too long format. For yeah, memes. we're long format. Anyways, <laughs> what's that? A Vine? The Vine is short format too. That was five, six <laughs> seconds. Vines are six seconds, Colin. You were there for. I don't Vine. know about. I don't know these. So I don't know what the kids do with the social medias now nowadays or in the. They're on days. TikTok now. They're doing the TikToks. I know they do the TikToks. I just don't. You know. You know. I'm. I'm just. I'm curmudgeonly over here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I guess until next time. Yeah. I will say Shlan. I will say Dosvidania. And we'll see you next time. On, on the Crone's Porch. Porch. <laughs> <laughs>